You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Betty Yu. Betty, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks so much for the invitation. Betty, it's Thursday, February 10th in 2022. We're going to be talking about your, your work, your films, your projects. Um, of course, it's been a difficult few years for, for filmmakers and artists of all kinds. Uh, to, to begin with, how, how did the last few years impact your, your practice? Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. Um, I actually became very productive very fast during the p- pandemic. A lot of my work as a multimedia artist, uh, you know, working with, you know, um, mediums like, you know, photography and documentary film and, uh, you know, new media. Uh, and, uh, and I have to say that a lot of my work is socially engaged and community-oriented. So a lot of my work, for instance, I co-founded Chinatown Art Brigade, and it's a group that we do a lot of anti-gentrification work on the ground with communities most impacted by uh, displacement because of high rents. Um, and so we were doing that, and that was like a very, um, yes, really intense, right? You're really in the community, working with folks, helping to use art and culture to amplify their stories, and then all of a sudden the shutdown happened. Uh, and so that part was really uh, hard for me because uh, just being in isolation and not having, uh, you know, 90% of my inspiration is being in the community and, and, and really that sort of face-to-face community building uh, uh, is, is what inspires me in, in a lot of the work that I do. So uh, basically, when lockdown happened, uh, I really kind of turned inward, but I had um, been working on a project, a very personal project about my family, a photography project about my family and displacement in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, and how that's impacted uh, the community, but through, it's a Chinese and Latinx community, but through my own family lens. Um, And so that stopped, but I had all these archives that I had with me in my apartment including archives of my grandfather, who was like this, you know, avid amateur photographer, like from the 20s and 30s. Uh, he had all these, like, amazing photographs. And so I started to really dig into those, uh, to, 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 um, into those archives. And as we were seeing the rise of anti-Asian violence, um, I started to, to, to really see the parallels, you know. Um, as we know, racial exclusion um, of Chinese and other people of color, but particularly uh, Chinese, uh, the 1882 Exclusion Act was the only, you know, uh, 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 law in the books that banned an entire nationality from coming to this country. And then we were seeing this anti-Asian sentiment, you know, same language like yellow peril, uh, sick, sick man of Asia, like disease ridden, all this kind of stuff. Anyway, so I was really looking at the past, uh, the, 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 the history of my family being here actually for a number of generations but because of Chinese exclusion, they actually couldn't stay and build roots. And, in fact, a lot of the Chinatowns were burned down on the West Coast and all this stuff. So I started to really dig into to the present uh, and looking back uh, through my family roots, but as a way to tell a story uh, uh, about what was happening really uh, to the Asian-American community at large. And, of course, with the uprisings um, after the, 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 the murder of George Floyd, uh, really – uh, you know, for me, that was one of the first times I was on the streets was when I went up out to the to the protest in New York City, 
and really seeing the parallels of how, um, you know, again, you know, uh, racial justice uh, has been something that, um, you know, has been a, a through line in my work, but seeing that become very, very, very much a, 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 a central theme uh, in, in, our, in, our, in our world, in our country right now, racial reckoning. And for me, it's about uh, telling that story through my own personal lens as a Chinese-American. Um, so I've been very, you know, productive. I've, I've been producing stuff. And I had a show, like, the year of the pandemic. Things were uh, delayed, but I was still able to uh, curate a show all sort of remotely at Apex Art, which is a local gallery in, in, in Manhattan and Tribeca, uh, I had a, a piece uh, at Queens Museum, which was a part of a, a show about home and, 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 and what home means to, to, to what the meaning of home and, and, and belonging. Um, and so I was able to adapt, I guess, and still produce work um, for, for these exhibitions. Uh, but, of course, I, like I said, the most disappointing thing was obviously not being able to be in community, in physical community with folks. So that really affected me, but you know we, you know, uh, we uh, we're, we're still trying to figure it out, I guess. But yeah. Yes, we are. We sure are. Um, so it sounds like, and then I want to talk about exactly what's happening now. But in, in terms of the the research phase, which it sounds in some ways that the pandemic uh, encouraged. Your, you said this was your grandfather's photographs that you were looking through, right? That mm-hmm. it was an amateur photographer. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear more about that because that seems like an incredible window into, I mean, as you say, you're, you're, you're talking through the lens of, of your family and your experience. Um, and, and this, of course, is part of your family, your, your grandfather. And as a photographer, uh, you know, it's unusual to be a photographer then, to have a lot of photographs preserved from those times mm-hmm. and special. So can you tell me a little bit about that? That, that archive, like how many you're looking through them and, and, and what, are you, what are you finding? Yeah, no, it's um, incredible. When my grandmother died about 10 years ago, uh, well, actually, a little less than that. My grandfather died when I, when I was little. But for some reason, we were going through the basement and I found about like, maybe five or six photo albums that no one really cared about and they were just kind of forgotten. And I started to look through, through the albums and there were a lot of photos of my grandfather and a lot of photos that he took. And so uh, long story short, you know, he came here from what I can gather. I'm doing a lot of digging of my, my family narrative in this country. Uh, you know, came here probably in the 1920s, worked in Chicago as a waiter. So there's some photographs there. Um, and main, the main, because of, as we know, because of exclusion and um, discrimination, uh, there were a lot of industries that they, could all, uh, they couldn't work in, right? So they, they basically built their own Chinatowns, of course. But he ended up uh, uh, owning a small hand laundry operation, which a lot of Chinese men at the time did. Chinese women couldn't come uh, at all. But the men who could come, they had to show they had some money. So he was actually a paper – I figured out he was a paper son, meaning it's very common you buy papers to say that you were related to someone – uh, that was here in this country already, uh, that uh, you could show that you had some money, right? So he was able to come. Uh, and he basically photographed in, in in New York City. He just photographed a lot of, it was mainly like a sort of everyday uh, kind of the weekends and the, the sort of the, the more joyous times of, 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 of life of non-work hours. So surprisingly, I couldn't find many 
hand laundry working photos, just very few. Um, and of course, then you could see the increase of photos when my grandmother was able to come because my grandfather, uh, there was a military photo of him. There was a photo of him, um, I guess it was in the uh, army, and I talked to an expert and they were like, yeah, he, you know, this is who he is. And I was able to find his military record. He volunteered during World War II. Uh, so I was digging more, you know, into this, and then my grandmother came, I guess, in the late 40s, uh, early 40s, when, when, the, when military wives were able to come. And so his photography collection sort of picked up, and I could, you could kind of see that, like, my grandparents uh, in New York City. Um, and, and then the last thing I will say is that through the journey, I was able to figure out through a few photos that I had um, that he was actually a co he was a co-founder of the Chinese Hand Laundry Alliance of New York, which was a really, really important organization, not just in New York, but in the country, because it was advocating for the rights of uh, labor rights of um, Chinese hand laundry workers, because there was a lot of abuse, price gouging, and things like that, especially by the white, um, the white, um, the owners of the larger steam engines and larger wholesale places. So, and even the government, right, really trying to clamp down um, and trying to uh, 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 put in um, really un unreasonable uh, uh, sort of barriers for them to open up their own laundries and operate. So anyway, I found just a few photos, and I found an organization that was still around about five or six years ago. I interviewed somebody, and, and, and I can send you links to the short film I made, uh, that actually knew, he was a lot younger, but he knew my grandfather. So... It was this whole journey that I was able to just, just, just from clues and photographs because my parents, I realized, didn't really want to talk about any of this because the organization was actually targeted by the McCarthy era. But in the 50s, uh, a number of people had to stand trial and testify, and it was a very dark period for the organization and for Chinatown, right, because uh, they were an organization that, uh, uh, you know, was targeted during the Red Scare, um, and some of them actually end up being deported. Some took their own lives. The organization diminished greatly. Uh, so uh, I guess there was there's just a lot of uh, uh, you know um, drama and, and and pain involved in in what happened in that period. But anyway, I was able to kind of uncover a lot of this just through stories. Uh, I mean, through the photographs and and to try to unveil some of these stories. So uh, I am still something that I'm really really still doing because. He came through the West Coast, of course, um, Angel Island, and I, I just got his records actually from San Bruno Archives, and I'm working through that, and I've been creating collages. So the last year and a half, two years, I've been creating these collages, uh, uh, mixed-media collages, uh, that um, actually is going to be a part of a show coming up at um, Artist Space, um, and um, I'm... Uh, working on a book project uh, by uh, Daylight Books is publishing it, and a lot of it is going to center around my grandfather's archive and my um, mixed media collages that I've created. Because for me, it's about through that personal lens being very authentic, uh, but through my personal lens, kind of looking at the narrative of Chinese Americans in this country and Chinese exclusion, um, and, under, and and as a way to to heal, right, as, as we look into the future, how do we heal? But we can't do that unless we really understand the history of how U.S. policy, right, has really um, uh, created uh, this kind of discrimination and this kind of uh, racial exclusion. So that's kind of the project I'm really working on right now. Um, 
that uh that I'm very very passionate about. Um, so yeah, hope that hope that answers your question. Yeah, it does. It does. It's fascinating. The, the, you know, just just that kind of you know almost detective work and how revelatory that can be. Kind of searching through archives and and um, you know seeing seeing what what things were like then or how your parents related to what your your grandfather was going through and, and how of course close that was to the Chinese Exclusion Act which you mentioned which is right. Right. um as you said kind of uh stands alone. There's 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 no uh um there's there's nothing else that I know in US federal law that that explicitly you know, um, suspended immigration for a specific nationality, which was just kind of extraordinary and and, and had effects for for decades later. So, in, in in terms of what's what's going into shows now, um, maybe we could talk a little bit about artist space, the collages that are going in there. Or I believe that's what you said, as well as the yeah. the, the the film project. Um, what's happening at at artist space? Or what will happen there? Yeah. Um... So um, actually, it's uh, the folks who, you know, the, um, the independent study program at the Whitney, um, and it's, uh, you know, they have, a, they have a few programs there, and so it's the curatorial folks who have gone through that program, and they basically um, come out with a, you know, at the end of their, their, uh, their year of studies, I guess they curate a show at a, at a place. Um, so uh, artist space, they're using artist space, and um, uh, one of the curators, uh, who I know from another show that she curated that I was in, reached out, um, and um, I don't know the full extent of basically what they're uh, what they're looking at. The theme is is, is around displacement and dislocation, um, and broadly defined. So not just displacement around housing but also around being uprooted, right, from your home country and, 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 and so dislocation in many different ways. So um, she knew of my work from my housing, my anti-gentrification work that I've done uh, in Chinatown and in my own community. So she, uh, I forget, I guess she, I showed her some of the collages in the past. So, uh, so basically it would be a collection of, of these um, collages that I've been working on, which, uh, again, is, is, is really uh, focused on my my grandparents and the, my grandfather's archive uh, really looking at um, not uh, the, through the lens of, of um, the photographs, the story around labor, around immigration and discrimination. And so I'm trying, it's, it's, it's uh, sometimes my work, people, sometimes people, and I, you know, I take it as a compliment, sometimes people say, oh, your work is so didactic. You don't need to be, doesn't need to be so didactic, right? But my work is, there's a purpose. It's not just art for art's sake, right? It's about social change, and it's like a, a whole other, uh, for me, it's a platform. Um, uh, it's just a platform, not, not the end goal itself. But anyway, these collages are more, I guess, poetic, you could say, and um, it's really been a pleasure working on them because it's uh, uh, something that I, I can't really explain as I'm working through them because it's usually some immigration papers from my grandparents and then some immigration papers I found uh, from my uh, from my parents, right? Because there were multiple generations that went went back and came and went back and came. So it's uh, it's been a journey in it of itself to just to, to search through those materials and continue to to work on these. But so the show uh, is highlighting, I guess, like fifteen to twenty. It's a it's a the whole entire space will be uh, will be the sh- will be this show. 
uh, is devoted to this topic. So I'll have about probably four or five collages um, in the in the show. So uh, so yeah, I'm I'm excited because that's kind of first time I'm showing that work, uh, that part of me, <laughs> which uh, is very different than my media work and new the new media work, you know. Um, so. And it's very personal. So, so yeah. We'll yeah, that's that's why I asked about it. And you know, it, it's it's interesting. Like didactic is a strange kind of critique because um, because of course that's very important. You know, and there's a lot of didactic work out there that's 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 needed right now, especially in the social justice sphere. So, in in, in this work, in the collages, are there texts that go along with it? Um, mm-hmm. People are learning through these collages. They're understanding, as you're saying, it's not just art for art's sake. There's um, there's a there's a quality there that's that's opening people's eyes to something that's making them understand something uh, yeah, that, that, yeah. that they may not know. Yeah, so I incorporate, you know, um, for instance, uh, you'll see in my grandfather's case documents where literally uh, there's like uh, hours and hours of interviews, right? Like I, I guess he tried to come twice. I think eventually 1919 is when he came, I believe. And so, like, you know, just like, you know, just the interrogation by immigration authorities at the time, uh, you know, like, and it's all handwritten, which is fascinating, and, and, and some of it is just a typewriter. So some of that text you'll get. Uh, some of the text that you'll see is the actual Exclusion Act from 1882 that was signed into law. So, yeah, so it's, it's text like that that you'll, you'll sort of get those kind of textures, that, that feel of, of, of for me, um, Again, you know, I think that that the the photographs uh, that I'm, you know, remixing or you know reinterpreting, it's 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 like me- it's memory work, but it's not my memories. It's like my memories through these photos and then the recollections from my father and my mom, who weren't really around either, but what they heard that was passed down. So it's really uh, a strange, interesting kind of uh, realm or you know world. Uh, because it's my interpretation of, of that, but it's really trying to honor their stories in a very kind of a poetic and authentic way. So there is text, but it's, it's text that I'm finding through documents because Chinese at the time, especially in the, the, the 20s through the 50s, uh, they carried their IDs, their photo IDs, their social security cards with them all the time because they were in constant fear of being um, deported, you know, or detained. Because their their identity, their allegiance was always right. Like especially during anti-Japanese sentiment, the internment camps, and then the anti-Chinese sentiment. Uh, I found all these like I found a wallet that was intact that he that he had that he used that was his wallet, and it was all this stuff in it. And and I started to kind of do research and uncover why it was that he would carry around five million pieces of ID. You know, so it's that stuff that is in the collages and and that that, that I really. Um, want to honor that part of, of it, uh, but also uh, try not to, yeah, try to, to, to not clutter each, each one with too much text. So some are just images, uh, but it's a part of a collection. And I am honestly still working, working on um, something that uh, I've been finding, like, really I've, enjoyable and meditative. So, so yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you shared that with with me and the audience because that's really really kind of a fascinating project on so many levels. Um, before we go, I also want to ask you a little bit about current uh, film and video projects. Is this is this mm-hmm. same discussion figuring into um, you know displaced in Sunset Park or or mm-hmm. other current projects? 
Yes, yes. Um, so what I am doing, thanks for asking about that. Uh, so this kind of uh, is in parallel with a project I've been working on that I've received some seed money for in the last, well, since the pandemic. And um, it's called Unmasking Yellow Peril, We Were Here. So uh, it's, it's same, as you can probably tell from the title, similar topics. But uh, working on my own a personal story has inspired me to um, try to provide a, a platform and a portal into other people's stories. So I've been, for the last year and a half, um, I, uh, through Zoom and through at one point when we were able to actually see each other face to face, I also had some outdoor storytelling events. So I uh, partnered with Asian um, American Arts Alliance here in New York. Um, and we did a in Asian Asian immigrant communities that did some story collection events where I invited people who were either new, new immigrants or they were maybe for like second, third, or fourth generation immigrants, uh, Chinese descent mainly, but not just exclusively, not exclusively, uh, to um, answer a number of questions. So my questions were around like uh, around like immigration, as far as they understand from their you know whoever came. Um, to this country, uh, their their lineage story. So basically providing a platform for them to talk about a few things. So one thread is around, obviously, immigration, their labor conditions, and they're reflecting on anti-Asian hate now. Um, and um, I've been collecting these stories. So the first, uh, and so for me, it's about seeing ourselves, being seen, seeing ourselves, but also understanding our resilience um, that has lasted really, right, Chinatowns that have existed in, like, in New York City for 130 years, like, celebrating that resilience, too, because there's been so much going on, especially around anti-Asian violence. So last, this past summer, uh, the stories culminated, and, and I edited them together, and they were projected um, onto a wall at night in Flushing, Queens. Um, so I'm continuing to collect these stories, and what it will be is not, I've, I've, I've been working more with short form doc- documentary, not long form. So short, these short vignettes of people uh, that I'm editing together. And my hope is that these stories uh, will kind of inspire folks, and will, uh, w- and also that we we can introspect a little and look at our own um, our own history. And not right now in New York City, I have to say that when we think of like um, stop Asian hate, we think of uh, especially in New York City, uh, there is an immediate um, assumption that most of us who are, are fighting this anti-Asian violence want more police on the street, want more cops on the street, right? And so there's been this NYPD hate task force and all these things. And in my opinion, um, and a lot of us who are coming more from an abolition perspective, uh, you know, there is a history uh, that is very, very disturbing of violence of cops of police um, abusing and even, you know, anyway, uh, murdering uh, Asian Americans, right? So for us, it's about how do we keep each other safe? What does community policing look like? And that doesn't involve these kind of forces, a mil- doesn't involve militarized streets, uh, and doesn't pit, you know, uh, doesn't pit, you know, Asian um, against other people of color, uh, because there is a lot of, like, anti-blackness, right, um, in the Asian community, and a big part of trying to combat that is to show the roots of 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 of, of a lot of the historical discrimination, structural racism 
understanding why communities are, are pit against each other, but also acknowledging the reality of what is happening now, but that there are other solutions. So that was something I was bringing out in my um, questions to people I was interviewing, and it was really interesting what people had to say in terms of like community solutions and uh, alternatives to policing. That, you know, not just every, of course, it, the answers were all over the place, right? Some who really were like, cops keep me safe. Others were like, yeah, I agree. There's other alternatives um, um, to policing, of other ways that we can heal as communities of color, right? That, uh, and again, we have to, 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 to address the root causes Right, of what's causing a lot of what's happening in the city right now, right, around crime, right? I mean, it's, there's, there's deeper systemic issues around, like, lack of housing and education and uh, jobs, uh, health care, all those issues that are being neglected. Um, and now our city mayor is putting more and more money into police forces instead of some of the other issues that would actually solve uh, poverty and hunger anyway. So, so, uh, so that project is actually adjacent. It's very, uh, I'm, I'm working on that in tandem with my personal uh, mixed media collage work. And of course, the themes are really the same. Um, but it's been really interesting talking to people and, and, and hearing their stories, which uh, just to, for them to be heard, I've been interviewing people who are like in their 20s, and then people who are in their 70s and 80s. And, and so it's been really, really, really meaningful and uh, really, really just, uh, yeah, meaningful and and impactful for me as well. So that's exciting and, and, and powerful to hear about. Um, the the thanks for sharing that. The last question I want to ask is um, a little off topic. What are you reading at the moment? Um, so what I'm reading is I'm, I I am not the fun, I know I'm, I'm not the fun reader where I, I I tend to read a lot of nonfiction. Um, but uh, so the the book I'm reading and everything I read is usually like. Uh, I treat it as like research for my project. So the, 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 the book I'm digging into is called Race for Profit. So it's um, uh, by, um, I, I believe I, she's, a, she's a Princeton um, uh, professor, but she, her name is uh, Kianga Yamahara Taylor. And it's basically about how the real estate industry uh, has really undermined and has really extracted uh, 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 and disenfranchised black homeowners and black renters, but it's 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 much deeper than that. It's looking at basically uh, what we see now with the wealth disparity gap, right, between uh, white folks and and particularly black and Latinx communities, black communities, but looking at housing and how housing has played a huge part in that. Going back to redlining days and 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 how the mortgage, uh, how basically real estate industry that with government sanction, how that has disenfranchised folks. So that has been, has been helping me a lot, really understanding more uh, nationally as well as locally, uh, look, looking, um, looking at that um, through more of an a, a, a economic and a racial lens and uh, because of the work that I'm doing around displacement. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's more fact-based, but it's an it's a interesting book, and that's what I'm – starting to dig into right now. So, so yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. And, and Betty, I want to thank you for, for your work that you're doing, for talking with me today uh, as well. Thanks so much for, um, for spending time with me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for, uh, for the invitation. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. 
This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.